Foreplay. Foreplay. With Pierce McCarthy. Let's talk about the four songs that you wrote that are most personal to you. Foreplay. Hey there, folks, and you're very welcome to episode 11 of Foreplay. My guest this week has a career stretching back to the 1980s. His career begun in Scotland, moving to the States, where he consistently toured and released records for almost a decade. He then relocated to the real capital of Ireland, where he fronted Raising Jupiter, before his career took him on another journey across the pond to join the legendary Heavy Petten. So our virtual journey this week takes us just outside London to Milton Keynes, where I'm delighted to be joined by the very rock and roll Dave Aiken. Hey Dave, how's it going bud? Hey there Pierce, how are you? Very good man, long time no seeing, it's great to catch absolutely, up with you. Absolutely to be delighted to be on your show mate it, and, and big congratulations on it. Cheers brother, cheers, it must be. How many years since we've seen each other? Three years? Uh, well we moved from Cork in the summer of 2018. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah, it's two and a bit years. Okay. And how's life yeah. in London treating you? Yeah, it's good. You know, I'm just north of London. I'm about 40 miles north up the M1. It's great, you know. Obviously, like everybody at the moment, life has taken a bit of a detour with the pandemic and all the awful stuff that's been going on related to that. But it is what it is. It's and hopefully, you know, it's, there's a bit of a light at the end of the tunnel, yeah. you know. But yeah. I'd say it'll be a while before things get back to normal. Now, I'm delighted that you've come on the podcast with me because you have a music career that goes back many, many years. I first came across you in the band Raising Jupiter, which we will chat yep. about as the podcast goes on. But I guess the main reason you yeah. moved to London then is you're with Heavy Petten right now. So That's right. That's yeah. going really good for you guys, eh? Yeah, do you know, I mean, I, I, I was fortunate enough. The boys, for those who don't know who Heavy Petting, brief sort of just to set the scene, the boys signed to Polydor Records in the beginning of the 80s, recorded their first album, Letting Loose, with Brian May producing from Queen. So then, you know, they were on a, a, a very quick trajectory and the sort of new wave of British heavy metal, they were sort of in that category and, you know, ended out touring with everybody from Kiss to Ozzy, all that good stuff, you know. And, you know, they had a, they had a really good eight years or so doing what they did, out playing, releasing records. And then I suppose in the early 90s, late 80s, early 90s, decided, you know, they were, they were going to do some other stuff. Gordon, who was the main sort of writer, just kind of moved into production side of things and worked at Maison Rouge in London and then in Linford Manor and Milton Keynes. Jumped forward a few years, 2000s. They've always been getting asked to reform, to do this or do that. Mm -hmm. Hamey, the singer, lives in the States. So kind of logistically, it never really happened. But then, you know, they decided 2017, okay, let's do a show. Got together, did a show. Went really great, you know. So it was Gordon and Hamey who were there the, in the original lineup with Mick and Jez, who are in the band now playing drums and bass. And the original other guitarist, Punky, did that show. It was Winter Storm Festival in Scotland. But then Punky kind of decided to bow out for various reasons. And the call went out, you know, they were looking for somebody because they decided, you know, we're, we're going to do this. And I've known the guys for years, 
back in my, my, when I played with Gun, mm. and before that actually, because they kind of were mentors of us. And uh, so I got in touch because uh, I would be sending Gordon and Hamy snippets of songs and stuff like I've been writing over the years when I was in Raising Jupiter. And funnily enough, at the time, I'd been myself and my wife had been talking about moving over this neck of the woods. So the timing thing, it just fell into place, you know. Yeah. And here we are. Yeah, Two and years later. So, Thank you, man. Dave, I invited you on to the Four Play mm-hmm. podcast to chat about the four songs that you've written that are most yeah. personal to you. Now, yeah. you sent them to me in this order, so we're starting way back when. And the mm-hmm. first one that you chose was Teenage Velveteen from the band yeah. The Ocean. So why did you choose yeah. this one, Dave? The Ocean was this, this song. We released this song. Actually, I'll show you here. This is, I don't know if you can see that. Yeah, there. I can. Yeah, yeah. All right. So that's the ocean. That was the album that it came off of called Silver. Okay. That was, this was one of our tour posters. So basically we recorded that album. It was a bit of a labor of love because I suppose back then heavy rock bands or rock bands, this was what the early nineties, they weren't really doing their own releases and stuff like that. We had our own studio set up. The keyboard player in the band, a guy called Stevie Doyle, was very accomplished engineer and producer. So we thought, you know, we can do this ourselves. So we spent a bit of a while getting the album together and finally we, we released it um, in February of 1994. Right. And it was just at the sort of the height of all the grunge kind of thing. But we kind of, we sort of sat somewhere in between because we weren't, we weren't like the the sort of glam rock of that sort of era, you know, like glam mm. Guns and Roses and stuff like that. Looks wise, we were definitely more along the lines of bands like the Black Crows. Our singer was heavily influenced by Mick Jagger and Iggy Pop, that kind of thing. And he even had that look. His name, a guy called Jer Craig. He was like six foot seven. As skinny as a beanpole, <laughs> silver leather pants. He could hide behind the microphone. And that, yeah, and that was him just going to the bakers. You know, <laughs> he, you know, he he was the real deal. You know, he was the real deal. So, teenage velveteen was the the opening track on that album. As a songwriter, songs will happen different ways. You know, mm. it might be a title, or it might be a, an idea or words. For me, that actual riff, because it was Jer wrote the, the lyrics for this song, but the riff, which kind of started the ball rolling, I had just taken delivery of a, a Black Beauty Les Paul. You probably know, it's, it's the really nice guitars. Yeah. And it's one of these, sometimes when you pick up an instrument, plug it in, it kind of dictates sometimes how you play. Mm-hmm. And I just, for some reason, that riff, just started kind of forming. And I thought, man, that's pretty cool. It's got that kind of cool vibe. So I took it to the guys, fleshed it out a bit, and about, I don't know, it took us maybe half a day, the, the song. just And then we just, because we had the studio set up, we could just go in and record it. And, and where were you we based, Dave? We were in Glasgow, okay. up the West End of Glasgow. Like the ocean, we honestly, we toured our butts off. Like we played everywhere, all over Scotland, all over the UK. We were constantly, if we weren't recording, 
we were out on the road, and we, you know it was great, and it was it was a really um, fun time, you know. Mm-hmm. It was really good, you know. So yeah, that's that, that that's and this song, you know, I remember one. T- honestly, this was one of those moments. I remember I was living just outside of Glasgow, and I remember switching on my. Uh, Back when people had hi-fis, you know. Oh, I remember that. And I, yeah, and I remember switching it on this one day, and for a split second, I thought I had the CD on, you know, because Teenage Velveteen started blaring. I was like, "Oh, is that listening?" I don't remember having that much wine last night. <laughs> and then the song, and it was the rock show. It was a repeat of the rock show, and the, from the Friday night, which was a you know Tommy Vance rock show. And sure enough, the the presenter is like that was uh, oh that was the ocean from their new album Silver Teenage Velveteen. I was like, wow, wow, that's what it's all about, you know. And what is the song about, Dave? Teenage Velveteen. Teenage Velveteen. We all hung out in a club called the Cat House. So there's a reference in the song. There's a few sort of references to our time in the Cat House, and it was a big sort of heavy rock come rock club they, they had all different sort of genres that they played but it was it was a rock club you know it was mm-hmm. kind of based on a, a sort of um sunset strip idea and it was basically about that i remember jer had met a girl in teenage velveteen just kind of it was, you know when you when you're writing songs you you have that you can be a wee bit sort of hollywood with it you know at times and i think that's basically the yeah because he- of it Okay, well, will we have a listen to it then, Dave? Yeah, go for it.
They don't make songs like that anymore. Teenage Velveteen from the ocean. Dave Aiken is my guest on this episode of Foreplay. What a cracking tune, man. I just love the riffs. Thank you. I love the riffs. I just love the vibe of that song. Yeah, you know, it's weird just listen, listen. I can, I can just so imagine back then, you know, it mm. was just, it was, it was a really good, exciting time. And as I was saying, you know, like grunge and all that mm. stuff was going on. And there was all these cool bands at the time coming out like Terror Vision and Oh, you know, it was just, it was really exciting times, you know. And it was a big time too. I mean, there was a huge kind of shift in rock music at that time because, yeah, you know, in the not. 80s, we'd have had the Van Halens and you'd have had what I yeah. call the stadium kind of cock rock, right? And yeah, then absolutely. suddenly that change came kind of in the 90s with the Nirvanas, yeah. the Pearl Jams, Stone Temple Pilots, all these. You were involved in the music scene since the 80s, right? So what was it like yeah. seeing this change? Do you know what? It was something... Although it killed off the career for a time mm. for a lot of bands, but you know, music is cyclical. You know, bands kind of it's like a big wheel going round. You know, mm. and the, the, they'll come back. You know, a lot of these bands in the eighties, you know, they're they're still going, and they, they 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 never go away. It's just maybe they're not in the the same sort of limelight as they had in the height of their career. Yeah. And I think um, at that time it did affect a lot of your sort of Def Leppards and all yeah. these sort of bands at the time. But, you know, they're still going and a lot of these grunge, but, you know, it's like these music fads, they come and go, yeah. but there'll be bands like Pearl Jam who, you know, who've lasted the distance and have continued to make brilliant music. And I think it was a real good shot in the arm for music anyway, because I think it was getting a bit silly at, yeah. at some points, you know. Do you know that Eddie Vedder is the only singer from those grunge bands that's left alive? That's amazing, isn't it? Wow, yeah. That's amazing. Do you know, the, the it wasn't a, it was, a, if you're wanting a, a, a long career and a long life. I don't think it was that great if you were from Seattle at that no, time. No, and you know, and, and the band that I feel the most sorry for from Seattle, Queensryche, right? Because oh, I remember they good. came out with that song Silent Lucidity and yeah. prior to that they'd had the album Operation yeah. Mindcrime, wasn't it? Yeah, Operation yeah, Mindcrime. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they suddenly, with Silent Lucidity, they were on the MTV Awards mm. and then suddenly a lot of these bands from the same city as them came out yeah. and just effectively changed the face yeah. of rock music. Now, yeah. Queensryche are still going, but... Oh yeah, no, Jeff Tate's still going, a good friend of ours, the band Heavy Petting, plays guitar for him, We guy from Scotland called Kieran Robertson. Wow. He's been playing, you know, I think he joined Jeff when he was like 17, you know, and he's getting to tour the world, which yeah. obviously has been putting a bit of hold at the moment, but... But they're out doing the business, you know, and I know Queensryche reformed yeah. um, with a different singer. Um, I think one of the, the original guitarists is a, an airline pilot now, you know. It's just it's just the way, again, it's that whole thing. It's, it's very organic, you know, things change, yeah. different members come in. They get, you know, it's, and it's, I have a good core connection for you as well with Jeff Tate. There's a guy from oh, here yeah, called Mar Mark Daly who, 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 yeah. who's become a great friend of Jeff's. But there's also a band here called Fire and Water, and uh, they're, mm -hmm. they're a couple. And the girl sang the lady parts for Sweet Sister Mary, yeah, for Operation Mind Crime, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. and Jeff has, has been over here in Cork a few times. 
yeah, no, I know he was, uh, I remember he was over and um, our singer um, lives, or he, he was living in Houston, he moved recently, but he had went, he went to see Jeff and they were playing in Houston and he, he met uh, Mark. Oh, wow. Bailey, and he, <laughs> he was like, he goes, you, you know our guitarist, you know, and it was like this conversation, then Kieran was there. So it's, you know, it's just, it's great and it's crazy, but it just shrinks, you know, yeah. the people we, yeah, it's, 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 it's good fun and it's, it's great to meet all these people, you know, and it's great to see people like Mark and Fire and Water doing well and getting, you know, it's, yeah. it's great. And and a lot of them, it's kind of because they're not being heard on the radio because it's not that mm-hmm. commercial type. Yeah, stuff. these guys are still making a career and they're they're well, very exactly. successful. They're playing in in good venues to a lot of people, and yeah. you know they're representing and it's it's brilliant to see. And that's the way it should be. Getting back right. to the ocean, when did you guys form and how how long did the ocean go for? Right, well, the the ocean um, came out of the ashes of a band called a Glasgow band at the time called The Right Stuff. And um, I had been playing in Gun, and then I had been doing some stuff with a guy called Bobby Bluebell. You might remember the Bluebells, mm-hmm. Kath and stuff like that. So in between playing golf and writing songs, and and it was really interesting time for me because working with Bobby, I, I, I learned a whole different aspect to the craft of writing a song because he was more of a pop writer you know so mm-hmm. but it was something that always stayed with me in terms of melody and stuff like that but at the time the right stuff's guitarist had left to join Deacon Blue and he was their singer so they decided they wanted to kind of change the sound they were at the time they were signed to Arista and um, so they decided you know we'll get a guitarist in and we'll get a singer and I knew the guys, you know, because we all, like at the time when I was gone and gone, we all were hung out in this um, studio up the, the, the south side of Glasgow, as did the right st- stuff. And uh, so they, they phoned me up and they said, well, what are you doing? Are you still working with Bobby or what's happened? I said, no, it's kind of coming to an end. Why don't you come and have a jam with us? Because we've got some touring commitments to finish off as the right stuff. But then we want to kind of change the sound and blah de blah de blah. So I went and learnt the set. We went off and we did we did some interesting shows. We did remember we did this gig down and it was a an old girl college in Windsor, and it was us. I don't know if you remember a band called Ride. Yeah, we were a kind of indie band, and the the headliners were Katrina and the Waves. <laughs> so it was quite an eclectic. So it's quite an eclectic mix. So that was the sort of the beginning of the ocean, you know. Um, so we we kind of locked ourselves. As I said, we were fortunate enough. The, the boys had set up a studio in the West End. So we went into rehearsals, wrote a bunch of songs, and we went out and tour. And we did that for about a year, just kind of honing our sound. Then we And in between, we were always recording, going back out, testing the songs. And then that ended up how we got to where we are with releasing Silver. And as if that wasn't enough work for me, at the, that point I started a little side project, an acoustic thing, okay, with a guy um, called Gary, Gary Bishop, who, funny enough, I don't know if you, if you ever came across, Gary's now quite a, a, a well-known sort of author in the States. He's, he's got quite a, a 
I think it's a New York best seller. It's called How to Unfuck Yourself, right? Okay. And people like Nicky Six from Motley Crue swear by it and stuff like that, you know? So he's found years later a whole new niche for himself because okay. you know, he was always very good with words and stuff like that. So myself and Gary were doing this sort of side project and it was purely covers we were doing. And again, we were just out playing all over the place. And it was just in it, me playing acoustic and Gary singing. And at the time we called ourselves the Beasts of Burden, you know, <laughs> after the Stones song. And so we, I would come off tour with, with the ocean and me and Gary would go off. And so we'd be playing all these little venues all over Scotland. And then, and it was in the, it was the summer of 94 and the ocean was beginning to kind of uh, implode a little. Okay. Our, our singer had issues and we were just getting tired of it. So myself and Gary decided, right, let's do something with this. So we went off to the States and within three months, and it was, I remember it was the world cup was going on and stuff like that there. And we decided we would go to Florida rather than go to LA or New York, just, you know, try somewhere that wasn't the obvious. And I think it was within about three months, we had signed an independent deal with this little record company in Florida. And then, so we basically said, okay, we're going to do an album. We've been doing, and like we were doing our cover thing, but we'd been writing and mm-hmm. introducing our own sort of brand of music. We changed the name of the band to Choke. We were playing this gig in Gainesville, right? Which is a university town in Florida. And we would go up and we'd do like a Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, come back. Then we would do it all over again through the week. And uh, we were sitting this one night, we were playing our set and they played, it was because it was a university town, it was full of these students and the place was going crazy and people were drunk and all this stuff and at the end of the night and I have I have it still somewhere this guy handed me a, a John Player's cigarette packet ripped and he it just says hi my name's John F Prickett I, I would like to give you ten thousand dollars to record an album I've been coming to see you for the last da, da, da. and his phone number you know I hope he still has the same number. <laughs> and yeah, exactly. But you know, the thing is, you would always get people saying, oh, you know, I, I can do this for you. I can do that for you. But I phoned him up on the Monday and he's like, no, no, it's absolutely serious. So we hatched a plan. We went back to Glasgow, sorted out our visas because we were over there at the time in a sort of tourist visa and uh, got our visas sorted out, went back out. We spent the next... No, we actually recorded, we actually re- we wrote and recorded the album. Sorry, my, my, I'm just trying to slot it all in here. We wrote and recorded the album in that two-week period that we were back in Glasgow at Stuff House where the ocean were based. So okay. we got Stevie, the guy who I was telling you, was a really good engineer, produced the album. We got John and Paul who were the the rhythm section of the ocean played rhythm on the album. We went back out and uh, so me and him continued doing our acoustic thing. We'd sorted the visa thing out and we said, right, we'll get the boys out. So it took us another year, but then the boys came out, John and uh, Paul, 
And then, you know, we spent the next eight years or so, 10 years actually, just playing, touring, releasing records. You released a number of albums, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. The next song that you're going to play is quite a good story behind that one. But yeah, it was, you know, that living there, it was people were just always wanting to give you a a leg up Mm. rather than trying to, you know, be like, ah, you know, it was, it was just, it was great, you know, And, and we got to make great music and work with some great people and go and see bits of the, the country that, you know, it's like, wow. Choke did do quite well, didn't they, in the States? Yeah, no, yeah, no, we did. I mean, we weren't million sellers by any man, but we got to do, go out and play our music and release records. So, yeah, yeah. So, so suppose by that standard, yeah, it was great, you know. And did you play any kind of infamous venues that we would have heard oh, about yeah, over this side gosh. of the world? The Whiskey of Go-Go and all well, these places? We played we played the Whiskey, we played the Roxy, we played the Doll's House in Orange County, and that's where bands like No Doubt played there. We played in Nashville, played all over Florida. You know, we, we got... We got to see, go and play a lot of cool places, that's for sure. We played in, in LA. This is one always sticks in my mind because it was such a a different kind of venue at that time. It was a, a place in Melrose called the Lumpy Gravy, and it was owned by Matt Gronig, you know, the creator of The Simpsons. Yeah. So it was all red velvet drapes and computers and just really vibey, you know. And we did an acoustic show there and it, it was good times and when we were out there this, this next is it i'm this i'm t- i'm taking you somewhere on a journey here you take me on the journey it's, dave it segues into this next song fell from an airplane which i think you're going to play next i am is all about that time it was our first visit like we'd been playing in florida pretty most most of the time and up and down the east coast but it was our first venture into La La Land, and um, that's where fell from an aeroplane. And I'm came, always came about. I'm always curious too. As a kid, mm-hmm. my first memory of hearing about the whiskey a go go was yeah. when I when I read the book No One Here Gets Out Alive, which is yeah, the book yeah, about Jim yeah. Morrison. In my life, I've come across a number of people, now you included, that I know has played there, and mm-hmm. I've always wondered. Knowing the history of that club, knowing a band like The Doors donned that stage, yeah. amongst many, many, many others, yeah. what was it like to play there? It was unreal, to be honest. It was a, a pinch yourself moment. Yeah. You know, and I'm sure most people who play there must have the same thing. Because I remember for me, it was like Van Halen played there to be on that same stage. And there's all those other guys that you were you're talking about. And I remember we when we the, the night we were playing it was either the night we were playing the rocks, and I think it was the night we were playing the whiskey. There's a very famous bar called the Rainbow Bar and Grill, right by there. And it's a very rock and roll hangout place, you know. And our manager said, Right, you're gonna to have to go to the Rainbow Bar and Grill if you're gonna do this right. You know, so I remember we went in there and the first person we met standing looking at a wall and then there was pictures of him on the wall and it was Lemmy. Lemmy oh. and this was Lemmy's local, you know. Yeah. So there's Lemmy standing there and we're just like, Man, this is just you can't write this, you know. It's it was brilliant. But it was you know, it was Did you just, go up and talk to him? 
yeah, no, we went and said hi and whatnot, but you know, he he looked as if he was kind of under, uh, under the weather. On his no, no, he, he looked fine. Do you know, okay. Lem, do you know Lemmy? I remember meeting Lemmy as a kid. I met him when I was maybe like fourteen in the Glasgow Apollo, and Lemmy was one of these guys. I remember in the foyer, you know, the people were getting ready to go into the gig, and Les Lemmy strolls up, and there was a slot machine. And he just started playing the slot machine, saying hi to people and whatnot. That was just a, you know, he was unaffected by it all. Yeah, he was a a proper and a proper gentleman by all accounts. Yeah, but that you know, so that was how I fell from an aeroplane song came about, and it was one again. It was one of those ones I remember doofing about with these chords. I had done a drop D tuning and started writing the song and. That whole fell from an aeroplane. The lyric, so I started putting lines together. Then I was, I remember showing Gary it, and then he was fleshing out parts of it. And then again, it was something we we released on an album back in the day called Fashionably Late, and that was the again it was the opening track on that album. And yes, it was a reflection of that whole time for us as well. I think a lot of this. Things you know, you kind of write about what you know or what you experience, yeah. And that's how well that's for me anyway, you know. And and that song kind of reflected that whole first time we went out to California. Okay, we'll have a listen to the song so now, Dave, shall we? Yeah. Through your veins, round in 
Uh, <laughs> I love that song. <laughs> Cheers, dude. Do you know what I like? I do you know, I was just go on. Huh? Go on, go on, go on, go on. No, I was just, I was just thinking as I was listening to that because we recorded that song. We did this session. This song ended. I was on uh, Choke TV, which was a kind of best of, and there was a there was a session that we did. We'd recorded fashionably late with a guy called Brett Hessler producing it. Now, Brett at the time was in a band called Virgo's Merlot, who were kind of one of those sort of bands that were coming out of the grunge scene. And they, at the time, were signed to Atlantic Records, and their manager was a guy called Jeff Hansen, who also managed Creed. Okay. You know, Creed, right? Yeah, yeah, so, I, love, I love Creed. Right, so Brett recorded our first album we did we'd done a couple of eps and stuff but then we did the fashionably late album and he we'd we'd done some dates with opening for virgos merlot and he's like man i I have to record you guys so he got us into their studio set up and recorded fashionably late and then we you know went out and toured that album and stuff like that and then we were do we were set for doing another recording another record but at that time Brett then had replaced Brian Marshall as the bass player in Creed so he was off doing that stuff and then he would come back come in and we would record these songs and that fell from the airplane was in that one of those sessions and again it's one of those I, I feel kind of fortunate that over the years I've got to work with really great guys like Brett and same with like Steve who produced and engineered the ocean stuff who are just really keyed in and, you know, they can bring the best out of those songs. Yeah. And listening back to that again, it's just, he just kind of shaped the sound because it was, it, was, it was rock but it just had a slightly different kind of... It's killer. I mean, even even the chorus is just this killer... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I can hear so many bands that I like from yeah. the States. I can just hear... It's just the sound. You just had yeah. that sound. And even, like, as you, as you were saying to me, you know, Fell From An Airplane was about that time, you know, it was about yeah. that experience. Mm. And, and I love the, the lyric, the noise screams out, blisters in your mouth, the blood streams yeah. down, slips into your eyes... Like that sums up yeah. just wowness. Yeah, no. That yeah. Was, and craziness was, as well. Like yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, we, we, you know, playing over in the States is uh, is quite an experience. Yeah. You know, it's, <laughs> it's quite an experience. You survived I it anyway, know. Dave. That's the main oh, thing. We, do you know what? We're still here. We're still here. So that's, that's the main thing. And as I said, Gary's doing really well now as a... a an author and one is a kind of, I suppose it, I don't think he would call himself a life coach, but it's that kind of a positivity kind of a thing. And he does, you know, he does good morning America and all these sort of shows. So how did Chuck come to an well, end? Well, well, that kind of uh, came to a sort of natural conclusion. Um, at that point, then circa 2002, I decided you know, I've kind of wanted to do something different. The boys were kind of looking at doing something different. I st- I kind of didn't know really what I wanted to do, but so I moved to Cork. <laughs> so as you do, as you as you do. So I went to Cork and kind of, you know, it's weird when you're in a sort of bubble now. Everybody's used to being in a bubble now. Mm. The last 
and we would, you know, when you're in a band, you are in a bubble. You you all hang out to, with each other. You do stuff together when you're not playing, and you're you know you you all know each other's girlfriends or boyfriends or whatever. And so I moved to Cork, and I'm like, oh my god. And why Cork, and, and Dave? Why Cork? I was, because I, I it was one of those. Um, I met somebody, went over to Cork, da da da. And I said, and um, <laughs> that was fine, you know. It move along, fine. move along. <laughs> it, it was fine, you know. It was what it was. Yeah. But the thing is, it kind of, I found myself at a point, I'm like, Craigie, what, what am I going to do musically, you know? Mm. So it took me a while to get, I tried a few things and it just wasn't happening for me, you know. I didn't, I didn't really know. And I kind of stopped writing and stuff like that. And then, I don't know, it must have been, I'd been there a good while, you know, and I hadn't mm. been really playing or anything. And then one day I just got it in my head. I think I must start writing again. And at the time, I'd just met my, my, my wife. And uh, we'd went out on our first date to the quad in Cork. And uh, she was like... Tell me about yourself. She so she never knew any of this. She, she, all she knew at that time was the guy who came in and sold stationery to yeah. her company by St Finbar's, you know. She worked in a little engineering firm. So we were out and we were in the quad and there was a band. I, I, you, I can't remember who they were. The guy, it was a really big sort of jazz funk band and they were amazing, right? So okay. we were sitting having a few drinks and stuff like that. And I said to her, you know, I used to play. And she's that rubbish. No, you don't. And I was like, so I started telling her my story. And she was like, man, why don't you play again? And I was like, well, I'm kind of thinking about it, you know. And then with a bit of encouragement, she's like, well, write me a song. And let me just see how this works. So I went off and actually the first song that I wrote in ages Ended up on the first, you know, I know you're going to be playing some Raising Jupiter in a minute. I know. It was a song called Stuck On You, mm. which was on the first album. So that song was all about meeting my wife. Well, okay. she wasn't my wife then. Did you know that she was going to be your wife, Dave? You kind of have an inclination that it's going in the, the, the right way, you know. Maybe somewhere in the back of the, the, the old grey skull. But it, 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 it happened, eh? So... But she was the one, and it was weird because I was writing this. So I wrote the song and I sang it to her, played the acoustic, sang it to her, and she's like, "Why don't you sing?" I said, "Because I play guitar and I write." She says, "But you've spent a career writing songs for other people to sing, but you could probably sing it yourself." And I'm like, oh, "I don't know. It's, it's, there's one thing me sitting here singing it to you." And you would think being plain, or you wouldn't be shy, but you know it was, it was something that wasn't really in my comfort zone. So with a wee bit of coaxing, she says, "Why don't you learn a couple of the choke songs and go and do a gig somewhere?" And I'm like, "Okay, how about I do an open mic?" So I learned, fell from an aeroplane. And I learned another couple of the choke songs from our first album, the one that we'd recorded with the, the guy with the cigarette packet. Yeah, yeah. And then Stuck On You and a couple of other songs. And I went into 
Fred Zeppelin's on a Tuesday night in 2011. And that was my singing debut. Wow. <laughs> and how did it go? So it was great, man. I, I got the bug straight away. I was like, why haven't I done this? Yeah. So it got me but enthused yeah. to, to writing and playing. And at the time I'd started playing the I was going to this gym in Middleton and a couple of guys that I kind of got to know were doing a sort of covers band but they wanted to do something slightly different not the usual kind of standard so it was all stuff like Weezer and stuff like that and yeah. so that got me back playing it got me playing my chops getting myself back up to speed so I was doing that meanwhile I was writing and then I thought, you know what, I'm going to do an album. I'm going to write an album. I'm going to record it. I'm going to sing it. And I'm going to play as much as possible on it. I recruited a guy called John McGrath to play drums on it, who was the drummer at the, in this covers band at the time. And uh, so I went off and over a, a period of a year and a half, we would go down to his house. I would set up... a got a little recording set up that I could use on the fly, record his drums, I would bring it back to the house, record it, and I also enrolled myself into an engineering class, just because over the years I'd learnt all this stuff in studios, but tell me to put it in words what it actually is. Yeah, yeah. So I kind of wanted to have a better knowledge so that I could record it better. So I did that. Ended up going back, re-recording everything. And then so when I'd finished it, myself and Kasha were going over to Florida for a few weeks. And I'd got in contact with Brett, who'd produced the choke stuff. And I sent him some stuff and I said, would you mix this for me? So went out, I met him up in his studio. And uh, so, yeah, no, let's do this. So... It took a while for me because he was kind of doing a, a mates rate stuff kind of thing for me. Yeah. So it wasn't at the top of his priority list, but we got there and then 2014 released the, the first Raising Jupiter album called A Better Balance and did a few gigs around um, Ireland pretty much. And then our paths met. My first memory of meeting you was in Bubble yep. Studios in Dosco on the Back Douglas Road, and my buddy had opened it. Oh yes, and and I, and I always remember because I he'd said to me, you know, if you want to have an office, because at the time I I I had, yes. I'd set up PPM management. I remember this, and I remember this Scottish man walking in, and it just started. We just started chatting, and I remember you sent me. I gave you my email address, and I remember yep. you, you you sent me some tunes. And we ne- our paths didn't cross then again for another yeah. little while, and then yeah. they did, and 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 what a story that was! <laughs> uh, no, absolutely, but yeah, so that was how you know the, I start sort of got the whole. I, I didn't want to put the music out under my own name. I thought I, I would like to have a band name, yeah. you know. So raising Jupiter became the band name. So I released the album. Did a lot of really cool shows, actually, you know. It was great. It was really good fun. And then I was thinking, you know, I'd like to start maybe doing some shows over in the UK and stuff like that. But as it happened, in January of 2015, 
I, it was just right after Christmas, you know, and I kind of got, I was looking through my emails and I saw this email popping up and it says, um, hi, uh, my name's Bo Hill. I heard one of your tracks on a, a rock station in Austin where I live. I went out of the way to tr- track you down, basically, because I'd, I'd really like to work with you. And I'm like, well, man, Bo Hill. I'm like, I know that name. So, <laughs> and I was like, of course. And he'd produced Rat and all these sort of bands from the 80s, big glam hit metal bands and stuff like that. So I said, well, you, you do realise I'm just, I'm not, it's not a band, so, so to speak. We're not signed to a record label. So he goes, oh, absolutely. He goes, I still want to work with you. So I sent him a track from the album called These Are The Things. And I says, well, why don't you remix this for me to see if we can work? And uh, within like 48 hours, I get this MP3 file in my inbox and he'd mixed it. And it just, like, he'd taken it from one end of the spectrum and he just, it just I don't know, it just sounded really amazing. And uh, so I said, okay, I've written a couple of new tunes. I'll send them over to you. And he, he mixed them fairly quick as well. And so it was an EP that I was planning releasing called Chrome. And this, I think the next track you're going to play is uh, Give Me The News. Is yeah, that right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And what is that song about, Dave? Give Me The News. That well, song's about my dad. Okay. That song's about my dad. At that time, both my mum and dad, their health had really deteriorated, you know, and... Uh, my dad, who had been my so he, my dad, I come, I come from a musical family, you know. My brothers play, and my dad, when I was a kid, he was a, he played bagpipes. He was a world champion, a European and British champion in the bagpipes okay. in the sixties. But then, as a kid growing up in the seventies, he played. He back in the fifties played in skiffle bands, played acoustic, okay. sort of skiffle music. But then in the 70s, he joined with our neighbour. <laughs> uh, they, they had a little trio called the Star Trio, okay. and they would do weddings and all sorts of things, you know. And that, that was, and at that time, my interest in music was just going off the Richter scale because, you know, bands like Slade and all that sort of stuff were going on in the early 70s. Then I discovered Thin Liz. It was good having an older brother because. Yeah, they opened doors to music. Like the first time I heard Jailbreak in '76, I was what ten, and I'm getting this music. I'm like, wow, this is. And then he introduced me to Rush, and then he and that's introduced, that, that's one of our common yeah goal things, know, isn't it? Rush. It is, and then he sat me down one day in 1978, and he said, "Listen to this." And, and this is quite relevant, I suppose, because he, he passed away there recently. He dropped a needle on this record and it was the first time I ever heard Van Halen, first Van Halen album. And it was like, it was a jaw-dropping moment, you know? How does this, what is this sound? How is this guy even doing that, you know? So, yeah, so that, that song, Give Me The News, you know, it was all about my dad and how he, you know, he'd, he was sick at the time, very sick. And, and uh, you know, you, you, as I said earlier, you write about what you know. Okay. Well, at least I do anyway. And, uh, 
So, and plus, they I'd been messing with it's this song every time I played this song live was <laughs> because I always had to, it was tuned completely different. So, it would be, and sometimes in, in the heat of the moment, you think you've got the tuning right, and then you, <laughs> you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> but yeah. So that's that's what this song is. Okay, so you're listening to the Four Play Music Podcast with me, Pierce McCarthy. The wonderful Dave Aiken is my guest on this episode. And this is the third song that he's chosen. It's from his band Raising Jupiter. And this is a song about his pops. This is Give Me the News. <laughs>
someone else. This is probably the first time in the podcast that I've recorded so far that I'm playing a song that's actually one of my favourite songs of all time. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Raising, Cheers, Ju- man. Raising Jupiter has had and continues to have a special part in my heart. Like, I I have Spotify playlist of just mm-hmm. Raising Jupiter alone, and I will wow. quite regularly rock out the tunes and, I guess, kind yeah. of lament. And I, I have so many happy memories of, of Raising yeah. Jupiter and the experience of the journey I shared with you guys as well for a bit. Yeah, you know? no, goodness, it was, it was great. Do you know, it was... For me, it was such a, a good opportunity to get sort of back on the saddle yeah. and and go out, and especially when you've been playing quite a long time mm. with a little break, you know, and you're always kind of trying to keep yourself, your music sort of developing and not sounding, you know, you, you, you kind of try and keep it sort of relevant or maybe... You know, and raising Jupiter for me, it was a good way to to do that and yeah. just get out and and get that the chops back and just be out and play some great gigs. And with I remember with your help, we did some great festivals and we were over playing in the UK. and And then at the t- that time, we kind of went because initially it was kind of like a three piece, but then the whole dynamic changed. And I thought, you know what, I want to do a two piece thing. Yeah. And I got Nailser, yeah. Kieran O'Neill from um, serious, Goldfrist. Serious, serious you know, drummer, isn't he? Do you know he he he's like he's like having an orchestra behind you. Yeah. Do you know he's like yeah. he's just such an incredible drummer and an incredible and guy a, as well. A real quiet, and brilliant, guy. And, a, and such a great singer. Yeah. And so we did. You know, we did another EP, the Standing in the Light EP. Yeah. That you 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 remember the the uh, drive on video ah, we did and, and all that stuff you know and yeah. we were getting to the point where we decided you know we'll do an album and we and again it's that whole thing where you get to work with people who are kindred spirits and that's when I, I met and I'd always heard this in all my time living in Cork I'd always people heard people talking about Kieran O'Shea mm. and then when I met Kieran. He, this is real people, you know, and he was, it reminded me of, of guys like Brett, yeah, who are just that, that is, they're entrenched in that whole Because Kieran, I mean, music he, he works very closely with Bush and, yeah, yeah, you know, did, and a serious met, amount of other acts as well. Yeah, no, absolutely, you know, and so we went into his studio outside of Middleton before he moved over, he, he changed cities. He's in Berlin at the moment. And yeah. we actually went out there and we recorded some stuff over there with him. Idaho, wasn't um, it? Just be- yeah, just before we went to, uh, before we moved and the, the heavy petting thing happened, you know. Yeah. And the heavy petting, the song that you're going to play, kind of came out of that whole session. And so I had all these, so- when I moved over here, and I had all these songs that I had intended, you know, they'll, they'll see the light at some at some point. But then, as you were speaking about at the beginning of the program, uh, the opportunity got came my way. And that, to be honest, I was hankering to be in a band again mm. and be part of that dynamic. And and to be honest, with heavy petting, it was kind of that six degrees of separation, like Gordon. Who's the, the sort of um, 
like main guy, him and Hamey from back in the day, will say, you know, because he, back when I was first starting out playing, I remember Gordon produced a demo that a band that, uh, who became Gun, we were called at that point Phobia. And so there was always that six degrees of separation, uh, you know, and he said, you know, you could you could have probably played heavy, heavy petting back then if things had changed slightly different, you know. And so skip 30-odd years later, and there I am in this rehearsal. I'd flown over, and I'm in this rehearsal studio with Gordon. He picked me up from the airport, and it was just weird, you know. It's like, wow, this is like going back in time, but we're obviously different people now, you know. And you know mm-hmm. what I also think too, Dave? Because, you know, you, you hadn't played in a while. I think Raising mm-hmm. Jupiter gave you that confidence back. Yeah. Do you oh, know absolutely. what I mean? That, 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 yeah. Like, okay, I'm not only just a guitarist, but I can sing. And you probably could always sing, but it gave you that confidence to step out from the shadows and, and be mm-hmm. the man and make better your songwriting as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's like my wife said, you know, you write all these songs that you have other people singing. Yeah. So now you can sing them yourself. Yeah. So that's what I did at that point. But then, you know, uh, the whole heavy petting thing happened and it happened quite quick. So we, I went from, went over in Easter of 2018, jammed with the guys and within three months, we had moved over here and then within six months we were doing like you got to bear in mind for heavy petting this was like getting back to they'd done that festival but they the first tour petting had done in over 30 years was about to happen we went out and tour with them another band a band from the 70s called angel who were discovered by kiss back in the day and and so we went out and tour with Angel that was and that that was our very first show was I think it was in Stoke-on-Trent and we did this show and we met the guys and we did this we toured around the UK and it was our first tour as the reformed heavy pet and and I tell you man it was just the best thing ever it was just so like heavy pet and fans are unreal like you, we had like the we weren't sure. Like Gordon and Hamie in particular weren't sure what to expect. Do you know? Because mm. people saying, "Oh yeah, we'll come." My God, it was like turning back. I remember we did, and when we we knew, wow, we we played the in Camden, and the place just went mental. Do you know? And it's watching like, all these. Guys with their kids, you know, sort of turn, you know, it was kind of like going to see concerts when we were young, you know, and you would see people there with their dad or their older brothers. Yeah. So there was all this sort of age group and people who'd seen Petten back and they would come up and they're like, oh, and the stories, you know, we used, I remember when Letting Loose came out and singing that we were going in and me and my buddy and the buddy was there and we we had the harmonies down and all this sort of stuff wow you know and it was just amazing you know yeah. so it was that was the start of this next chapter you know yeah. and then so we came off off of that tour and gordon that said right i think we need to put something new out 
And, you know, bear in mind, it was quite a big thing for Pent because Letting Loose, the first album, Rock Ain't Dead, The Big Bang, they, they did really well, you know, and mm. it's quite to go, to put yourself back out in that that sphere again. It was scary, isn't so it? it, took it uh, yeah, totally scary. But and I remember in January, because Hamey lives in the States, the singer, so myself and Gordon started putting some stuff together and he had this song um, called uh, Back To You, which is basically a whole about the getting back out to the fans and stuff like that. So that was our sort of first sort of start of writing the, the, this EP. Now, funnily enough, the EP that was the first re- release for Heavy Petting and, you know, all that time is called Foreplay. No way! <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Absolutely. So... So are you guys Gordon, coming after me so for money now? Is that is this what's going yeah, on yeah, here? <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So so basically, you know, the Hamey and Gordon had um three songs that we worked on to for the EP um Back to You, Tell Me Why, and a song called Hard to Hold. So they were they were wanting a fourth song. And Gordon, like I spent years one of the way that we kept in touch before or any mm-hmm. of this and could Facebook, you know, and I would let him hear Raising Jupiter. I remember sending him a copy of Give Me the News, and he was like, wow, man, that's amazing. And so we always kept in touch, and then he's like, let's hear some tunes that you you were doing, maybe that you've not we've not you've not done anything. And I said, well, look, so we, we listened, and he's, he heard Who We Are, which you're, I think you're about to play. I am indeed. And he's like, wow, we can so do this song so that was how that so and to me it was an absolute because as a kid you know i was a huge heavy petting fan wow you know so not only am i now playing in the band but i'm using a contribute it yeah contribute you know to the ep and that is the whole cool thing about playing in this band with gordon and Hamey in particular, like Mick and Jez, they're all great guys and great musicians. But they're like, yeah, no, it's very inclusive, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it and it's brilliant. And because uh, you, you know, so, ultimately, you're part of the band. You're just not a bit part actor that was brought in. No, to, no, to, it's, to, no, to it's, fill it out. It's, it's, you, honestly, you are. You're a heavy petner. Yeah, well, I'll, yeah, um, it's you know, it's and it's just such a great thing you know and we continued after that it took us about a year to put the EP together between one thing and another you know with Amy being in the States it's not always easy mm-hmm. to but we've kind of managed that we've kind of got that into a better area now I'll kind of explain that so what would happen generally then is we would like anytime we were out touring or gigging like we in 2019, we did a lot of festivals and stuff in it. So Hamey would come over, we would rehearse, we'd go off and do whatever we were doing. But then Gordon would grab him in, record vocals, and then that way we sort of slowly got to build foreplay up. Yeah, we had it ready to go, and we released it actually just before the pandemic. <laughs> so we were on it. We 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 did. Um, in February, just before everything just went completely belly up, we did the Monsters of Rock cruise 
So that left out of Fort Lauderdale and it goes down by Belize and Mexico and all that sort of stuff. So you're on the boat for like five days. And so our plan was we would do a release. So this would be the first time that anybody heard foreplay. So we did that on the boat. And you know, there's like bands like Extreme, Crocus, all these other bands playing on the bill. So we, we did like three shows. We did a release. We had a little release party with the intention when we come back off of that, then we would do some more stuff to promote the EP. Then we would get it out in digital platforms and all that good stuff. Our last show we were able to do was the very last Friday of February this year. We did. We headlined um, a festival called Brofest in Newcastle, and then pandemic. Whew, yeah, and that was. And so the plan is, I guess, before play, like we we have touch wood when things start. You know, things will start getting back to uh, to normal because we had we had gigs all booked out th- through the summer. We put them back to December, so we were doing we were out doing shows with Michael Schenker and doing our own shows and stuff like this. We, that, we were supposed to, I'd say, on Saturday there, we were supposed to be starting our sort of Christmas run of dates in Bar- Barcelona, but everything's had to be, you know, postponed. So, But you know what? It'll, next, come, it'll come around again, Dave. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And, you know, there's stuff that's happening that I, I can't really speak about, yeah. but it's really good stuff. And, but one of the things we definitely will be doing once this stuff, apart from the fact we're recording a new album, full-length album, we've been busy doing that. The great thing about you, you can record remotely. Mm. And what we did a lot, of, and we did through the, the the beginning of the lockdown, we did a lot of these sort of lockdown sessions where we would record, we'd do different versions of like something from, uh, I remember we did um, Soul Survivor from the Rock Ain't Dead album. We did some other stuff. We did an online festival. So, and it was... You've been keeping busy keeps in you a going. way. Yeah. Keeps you going. And plus we've been, like, we've got some, we're in the process of demoing the new album. So we've got about 18 new tunes wow. that we're, 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 we're busy demoing. Hamie's in... His studio in America, doing his parts. We're doing myself and Gordon are doing all our bits and bobs, so it's going really well. But yeah, who we are is on foreplay, and you know, it's for me, it's like you know, it's dreams. Just, it's, it's dreams come true, Dave. I can it, like I, I'm just I'm, I'm sitting here looking at you, and you're so bloody excited in in everything no, that you're saying, and it's amazing to see and hear. Yeah, no, about do you know the thing is. When you get to a certain vintage... Oh, I like that word. <laughs> you get to a certain vintage, the fact that you can be excited about it. And to be, to me, honest, it's like, wow, this is a... You don't get these opportunities that often. And when yeah. you do, man, you, you grab... And plus, I, I love the guys. They're, they're such a bunch of great guys to work with, you know? And, yeah. it's, it's, and we've got, to, you know, in our short time of being back together... We've done some great shows. We we were out last year with um, Rock Goddess, did a a tour around the UK with them, did a lot of cool festivals in Germany and Belgium. And, you know, it's just, it's been brilliant, you know. And, you know, as I said, we were on the the Monsters of Rock cruise 
and that was great. You know, it's 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 five days of fans hanging out with their favourite bands. That's unreal. You know, there's no there's no sort of separation. You know, you're just standing there. Look, there's Steve Harris from Iron Maiden walking about, you know, an ice cream for theirs. <laughs> you know, it's it's crazy. Yeah. And it, it's, it's just, and plus the weather was nice. Yes. Plus you're, plus you're on a cruise. <laughs> <laughs> so now it's good. Don't get much so, better. Okay. So we're now going to hear the final song that yeah. uh, my guest, uh, Dave Aiken, has chosen. This is from his latest band called Heavy Petten. And this is a song from the Foreplay EP, which they named after this podcast. This is called Who We Are.
That's some vocal. Yeah. Isn't it? Awesome, isn't it? But you know that what, when, when, when I hear, like, I mean, and I've kind of been immersing myself in, in all things Dave Aiken the last while, mm-hmm. but every time I heard his vocal on that song, it brought me back to mm. the kind of rock and roll bands I liked yeah. growing up. Yeah, yeah, totally. yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, 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 that's that's the real deal there. And like Gordon produced the, the EP and engineered it. And again, he's, Gordon comes from that same, like of Kieran and Brett, mm. guys who just, they just... They got it. They know, they know their stuff. And it was, it's amazing, you know? And again, it's amazing. It's like, Every day's a school day. You're you're learning stuff, you know. Yeah. Whilst listening to to the fortunes mm-hmm. that we play today, and especially some of the older stuff, what was it like mm. for you to hear that stuff again? If you're a music fan, songs have they take you to a certain time and place in your life, mm. and especially if you happen to have written them, yeah. and, and you're and you're hearing them back, and you're thinking, well, you can, and especially if you've not heard them for a long time, you can kind of remove yourself and let. And try and listen to it as a punter. Yeah. And uh you know it's nice and like even like who we are and that song is all about how we kind of live through social media. Yeah. That's the whole vibe about that. So I love I love that and lyric, it, the mass at your feet, hang on every tweet, adoration just won't last. It's yeah. like this you false thing I, that some social media creates, isn't it? Yeah. Well, do you know the thing is I so wanted to have a line just with tweet in it. Yeah. <laughs> so, because I just thought it's, it's, uh, I just wanted something with the word tweet because I think it's such a silly word. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and, and that's whole, that whole thing. It kind of, I remember I was reading an article and it was, I think it was Justin Bieber. They were saying, you know, he's just released his biography and he was like 18, know. you know, and I'm thinking, and I'm thinking, what? <laughs> you know, fair play to him, you know. But yeah. I was just thinking, wow. And that's that whole, you know, the mass hanging at your feet, every tweet and whatnot. But, you know, it's great. I'm happy, you know. It's it's great, as I said, to be a certain vintage and still be able to do what you love. Do what, do what you love doing and be encouraged and be in part of something you're also very lucky because I mean, your 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 wife, she is a huge supporter of what you do. Oh yeah, absolutely. Do you know, and it's great. I mean, she and, and I've got a, a small daughter, and Ella, I, I think, is you know she'll come. I'm, I'm right now. I'm talking. I'm in my studio basement here. I was doing. I would show you, but I I was doing a bit of. Um, construction work at the weekend putting a, a ceiling up because I'm in the basement and the rest but often I'll be down here working away tinkering away and Nella has a, her seat at of the course, end of the of studio desk and she'll sit with her little she's got a little strap guitar <laughs> and she'll be like I'll show you how to do this daddy <laughs> <laughs> you know it's great so um, no, it's, you can always you can always learn a new trick her, her favourite thing is she uses a as a skewer, okay. and she starts doing this sort of Eddie Van Halen thing with it. Brilliant! Well, do you know what? She's learning from the best, my friend. Well, thank you. I don't know about that, but thanks. I'll, I'll take that anyway. <laughs> and you know what? I can't wait, Dave. Is I can't wait for all this to be over and to yes. come over and see that studio myself. 
I'm long overdue the visit, to be fair. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll get, get you along to a heavy petting show. And I can't wait for that. We can, we can hang out and we can have a, a good old time. Yes, and the, the pandemic thing, hopefully, will be a thing of the past. Because as I say, we've got a lot of exciting things yeah. on the horizon and just get back to where where, where we were before. It, um, well, it's like everybody, you know. Yeah. It's just, it's just, it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy, but it's nice to see that there is a bit of movement. What's it been like in Cork? Do you know what now? I suppose it's been the same as it's been everywhere. Thankfully enough in Ireland, our figures, uh, when you compare it to the rest of Europe, we're actually doing yeah. okay. I mean, it's, it's yeah. there's been hard days, you know, we've had shutdowns, we've had, but people in general are very compliant to what they're being asked mm-hmm. to do. And yeah. I think that has helped us come to where we are now. Yes. And, yeah. you know, without getting too excited when everybody hears the word vaccine, it, it's a light mm. at the end of the tunnel. It's it is. Because as a species, we don't do being restricted too well. No, we're, and, we're, and it's, we're, we're social. We're yeah. social, you know. And, and to be uh, told that there's lots of things we now can't do that are very, very social. So I hope that the end result of this will be worth the wait. Yeah, I know. Do you know what? I think uh, hopefully we're going to come out uh, better and stronger, you yeah, know? Absolutely. And and for me, with, with yourself, and I suppose I kind of always end my podcast with this, but it's it's good to see, and I, I think I can safely say, that you're in a very happy place right now. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it, to be honest, I have really enjoyed doing this show tonight. It's... Uh, because you've kind of given me a chance to kind of, you know, it's you, it's stuff that I haven't really thought about in a long time. Because yeah. you you kind of live in the now, and you're live, you're thinking about the next record or the next tour or whatever. Well, when we can get doing that again. So actually, to dip back and try and remember, you know, the yeah. the stuff, and it's it's great. And you know, when I was actually thinking about it, just the 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 great people that I've had the opportunity to, to play with. And, yeah. you know, it's like one of the, uh, I know when I'm old and grey and reflecting on it, I'll be like, wow. You know, you know, one of the things that always impressed me actually, and I remember when it was a Raising Jupiter release and we were chatting and I almost remember you turning to me saying, yeah, my buddy Tony Kay thought it was really, really good. And I was like, whoa, 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 hang on a second. Because I'm a huge fan of Yes. Oh, yeah. And I was like, is this Tony Kay that was in Yes? And you were like, yeah. And I remember thinking to myself, holy hell, wow. That was my most impressed moment with you, by the way, I must admit. <laughs> Tony's a, he's a good egg. He, 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 he actually booked shows, helped. We, when, in fact, when we went out to California for the first time as Choke, yeah. it was Tony Kay and this other fr- friend of ours, a guy called Brian Chatton, Against one of the, these, these the same sort of era as Tony Brian had played with, and um, played in Meatloaf's band, played with John Miles, played in Phil Collins' band, and they um, booked her shows for us. Wow. They said we 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 want to get you guys to come out here and play, and they they set up with along with their manager at the time, John Piano. They set up the whole Roxy and the whiskey and. We went to a party at Billboard, and you know, and that's because that's where these guys live, and they knew they knew all the people he talked to. Yeah, yeah. And it's you know, it's 
Yeah, and you know good. what? And and it's been a pleasure to have you on, Dave. And I, and I have to you. say, I was very very excited to have you on because you've been a long time in the industry, and I knew that you had some stories to tell, and I I couldn't wait to hear more of them because I've obviously over the years heard some of them, but I looked mm-hmm. forward to to hear more of them. And as always, and I always say it at the end of this episode, I will now go away, and after hearing the stories behind the songs, I can now listen mm-hmm. to them with a different ear and it'll there make it an even better experience. Brilliant. Brilliant. So, so thanks so much, bud. No, listen, th- as I said, thank you very much for having me on it. I, I, I've really enjoyed it and it's been great chatting to you and getting no grey cells remembering th- this stuff, you know, but it is, I, I appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for listening to this episode of Foreplay. If you're an artist or a band and you're interested in getting in touch, then you can do so in many different ways. You can email me at podcastforeplay at gmail.com, on Twitter at podcastforeplay, on Facebook at Foreplay Music Podcast, and on Instagram at Foreplay Music Podcast. Thanks for tuning in again, and we'll chat soon.